All right, well, how's everybody? Are you good? Everybody good? Awesome. It's so good to see you. Those of you who are watching online, thanks for being a part of worship this morning. Uh, those of you who have a Bible, will you open up with me to Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to be in, starting in verse 18. Hebrews 12, 18. Uh, it has been an amazing series so far. We've been in a series on the book of Hebrews. And I, I just, I stand before you today as someone who has a whole new love for the book of Hebrews. This has been an amazing study for me. I think it's been an amazing study for you. And I've, I've heard stories of just how you are growing in your faith. And we're really excited about that here at Hope. And uh, I, can, can we just all say that Jesus is so much better than we ever imagined. He really is. Come on, he is it. He's everything and more that we need for the life that God created us to live. So uh, next week, we, we have just one more week after today in our study on the book of Hebrews. And Steve Obat is going to be up here next week closing us out with some powerful words of encouragement. So you won't want to miss that. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, the end of Hebrews, Hebrews chapters 11, 12, and 13, are organized around these themes of faith, hope, and love. So chapter 11, of course, is the great faith chapter. Chapter 12, which we're looking at today, is going to point us to an unshakable hope. And then chapter 13 next week, Steve is going to be sharing, is all about love. And uh, chapter 13, verse 1 says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. So that's kind of where we're at. Faith, hope, and love. These are the, the character qualities that God wants to work in our heart as we run this race of faith. So today we're going to look at hope. And the way that our author presents hope is through the story of two mountains. You've got Mount Sinai as a mountain, and that is a mountain of fear. And judgment, it's kind of a terrifying experience is what we're going to see. And then we have Mount Zion. And I appreciated the scripture this morning, just this, this picture of Mount Zion as a place of hope and joy and salvation. And so we have these two mountains, and all of us are actually on a journey towards one of those two mountains. So I want you to ask today, where, which mountain am I running to? Am I running to Mount Zion, or am I running to Mount Sinai? You know, it's kind of like growing up in Colorado. I uh, grew up just uh, with the Rocky Mountains right there in my backyard, and a lot of the adventures in my childhood revolved around mountains. We're going to be looking at mountains today, but I was thinking about uh, my very first youth camp. I don't know if you've ever been to a youth camp, maybe in the Poconos or something like that. This was my very first one. I was a brand new believer, had never been to camp before, and uh, my church... And another church had decided to combine their youth groups to do one big youth camp together. So, of course, we got all loaded up, drove to the mountains. Uh, we got there. I was pretty excited about this camp. Not only was it my first camp, but I had friends from both churches. So I was really looking forward to just hanging out with friends. We get there. Uh, we start unloading our gear. And there really weren't a whole lot of instructions as to what we were supposed to do. I don't know, there's kind of this perception out there that youth pastors aren't very organized, and typically that's true. So uh, we, we got there, and I, um, I didn't realize that everybody from our youth group was going to be in these cabins over here on this side of the mountain, and the other group was going to have these cabins over here on this side of the mountain. Well, I got talking to my friends at this group, and I ended up with a bunk in their cabin. 
no big deal, right? Well, um, you know, we, we do our worship and all that, and we go to turn in, and, and I'm with my friends in this other youth group in this other cabin, and the lights go out. I don't know if you've ever been a youth volunteer, but when the lights go out is when the party starts. And uh, I had never experienced this before. This was my first youth camp, and uh, boys were actually lighting their farts on fire. So I experienced things like I hope to never experience in my life ever again. Uh, it was quite the experience. Eventually, you know, as, as camp goes, everybody settles down and finally fall asleep. Well, over on the other side of the mountain, uh, sometime in the middle of the night, my youth pastor learns that Brian is missing. And it, it must have been like one or two in the morning. And he starts going room to room, waking people up. Hey, have you seen Brian? Where's Brian? All the rooms are, are awake now. People are starting to get scared. There are search parties now going out. A prayer group has formed. Girls were crying like this was not good. And it was the story of two mountains. And, uh, and by the way, like the choice you make matters. As I learned the next day, you know, people really weren't very happy with me, uh, especially those girls in the prayer group who had been crying. Uh, they were not crying anymore. They were pretty mad. But our choices matter, and, I, and I'll continue just to share, you know, the, as we look to the audience of this letter, uh, these are people who are twisting in indecision. They're wondering, you know, should we, should we stick with Jesus, or should we go back to our old life? These are Hebrew Christians, and they're wondering, am I going to stay with Jesus, or am I going to go back to, oh, you know, the temple in Jerusalem? The priests, the law, the sacrifice, it was all seemed so tangible and so secure. And so there's this question of what will we choose? And you just think how enticing that system must have been for those who grew up in that tradition. And I think we have the same question today. And it's, it's the question, am I going to put my hope and my security in Christ? Or am I going to put my hope and my security in my own righteousness, in my own effort to stand before a holy God. Those are the two choices. Those are the two mountains before, before us today. And the contrast between these two mountains couldn't be any more different. That's what I want to show you today. So, so listen to this. Take a look at Hebrews 12, verses 18 through 29. If you have your scripture there, Hebrews 12, 18. Through 29, this is what it says. It says, You have not come to a mountain, this is Mount Sinai, you've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was, what was commanded. Even, or sorry, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. But you've come to Mount Zion, here's our other mountain, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, 
to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they didn't escape when they refused him who warned them from earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he's promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words, once more, indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Wow, that's an awesome passage. And uh, we are going to take a look at that today. We're going to explore two mountains. We're going to explore Mount Sinai. We're going to explore Mount Zion. And then we're going to ask the question, what should be our response? So two mountains, and then what's our response? Let's pray, and we'll dive in. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we get to gather in Jesus' name with thankful hearts, with joyful hearts. Uh, we love what we're learning in your word, even though sometimes it's challenging even though sometimes it comes uh, with, with strength into our lives. We ask, God, that you would speak powerfully to us today. Let us hear your word. God, stir up in our hearts a response of love, adoration, and worship. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, two mountains to explore. First mountain is Mount Sinai. And, uh, and we, what we want to share is we don't, want to come to Mount Sinai. This is the mountain we don't want to come to. I'll explain why. See, Mount Sinai at first shows up in the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, Mount Sinai is a place of terror. It's a place of fear. It's a place of, of darkness, fire, smoke, gloom, thunder. Listen to this. Here's the scene, Exodus 19. 16 through 18. Moses and the people of Israel have gathered at Mount, si at Mount Sinai. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. They were so afraid. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. So this is God descending now on Mount Sinai. They stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. That's intense, isn't it? God is descending on Mount Sinai, and, and what is he coming to do? He's coming to give the law, he's coming to give the Ten Commandments. And you see the unease of this scene as the mountain begins to shake, as God begins to descend. And Hebrews doesn't mention Mount Sinai by name, but it's very clear that this is the mountain being described here. Look again, see some of the parallels. Verse 18, you've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that's burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm. This is Mount Sinai, it's very clear. To a trumpet blast, there's that trumpet again, or to such a voice speaking words, 
that those who heard it begged no further word be spoken. Can you imagine? Because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. Wow. Okay, so Sinai here, Mount Sinai, is a very scary place. So scary was Mount Sinai, um, Moses, the mediator of the Old Covenant, says even Moses was trembling with fear. I mean, that's, that's intense, right? Like so many things in that Old Covenant, you know, they're coming to an experience, it says, that could be touched. And yet, did you notice? No one wants to touch it. Everybody's so afraid. Reminds me of a story I heard this week uh, about a woman in central PA, and she encountered a huge bug right next to her front door. Giant bug. I'd, I'd never seen one of these in my life, uh, right next to her home there in, in Lancaster. And, and they, uh, we can put a picture up. Let's put that picture up. So this is the bug she encountered. She said it's about the size of a small bird. And when they asked her to describe it, she said, it looked like a spider that could fly. Somebody had attached wings to a tarantula. You guys see, you guys see how terrifying that bug is? And, uh, and the question the interview asked was, uh, did at any point you consider touching this? And she goes, oh gosh, no. <laughs> you know, I am not Would anybody here touch the tarantula moth? It's a moth, but yeah, yeah, see? And the next guy, yeah, there we go. You know, of course, this guy who's like a biologist, he's like, oh, it's like a beautiful creature. And she, I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not touching that. That's a terrifying bug. Well, let's go back to Hebrews 12, and we could put that back up on the screen. I want you to imagine this moment. I want you to imagine the terror that the people felt as they came into this scene where you have dramatic darkness. There's, there's a thick smoke around the mountain, dark clouds. Only, you, know, you might see the flashes of lightning. You hear the booming of the thunder. You look up to the top of the mountain and it is engulfed in flames. And the trumpet blast is getting louder and louder and louder as the mountain shakes. Suddenly we understand that we are before Almighty God. And, and He is big and we are small. And He is holy and we are sinful. It's a terrifying moment for anybody who would be in that situation. Moses trembled with fear. The people begged that God wouldn't speak anymore. So terrified were they. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, says, Woe is me. John, in the book of Revelation, falls at Jesus' feet. It says, as though dead. This is what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What can we learn from Mount Sinai? What is, what is this story teaching us? I think it's teaching us that we don't want to come to Mount Sinai. We don't want to stand before a holy God in our own righteousness. Mount Sinai is the place where God gave the law. He gave the Ten Commandments. 
And if we think that we can come before God by the law, if we think we can come before God by being a good person or by uh, making an effort to be righteous or whatever it is by the Ten Commandments, if we think we can stand before God in our own righteousness, guys, Mount Sinai is telling us today that we never will. We will never be able to stand before a holy God. We'll never make it. We'll always stand in terror, judgment, and condemnation, just like those Israelites did that day, because no one keeps God's law perfectly. We're all sinners in the hands of a holy God. And I just want you to think about the very first commandment. Anybody remember the first commandment in the Ten Commandments? One God, right? One God. Have no other gods before me. In another place, God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, I don't know about you, but I have put other things before the Lord in my life. And I've loved other things more than I've, than I've loved God. And, and we have not given God his due. And the Bible says that someday God is going to expose and disclose the hidden secrets of our hearts. Someday, every person will stand before God. Every person will get their due. Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed for man to die once, and then after that, judgment. And today, the fear of the Lord says, I don't want to stand on that day in my own righteousness, because God is holy, and I am sinful. Hebrews 10 31, we saw this a few weeks ago, says it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so I'm just saying today, I don't want to come to Mount Sinai. That sounds like a terrifying place to be. And we ask the question, is there another mount that I can come to today? And the answer is yes. We can come to Zion. We can come to Zion. And, and the picture couldn't be more different. Listen to this. This is amazing. Compare Mount Zion with Mount Sinai. Verse 22. But you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. Do you hear the hope in that? He doesn't believe that they're coming to Sinai. He says, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So I want you to notice a few things about Mount Zion. First of all, notice the location here. Um, the location is Mount Zion. What's Mount Zion? Mount Zion is the eastern hill upon which the city of Jerusalem is built. Uh, but notice that our author, when he's talking about, about Mount Zion, he's not thinking about an earthly Jerusalem, is he? Uh, the earthly Jerusalem is just a foretaste. It's just a shadow of our heavenly home, of our heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. Well, this is the same Jerusalem we hear about in Revelation 21. I love this verse. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, here it is, the new Jerusalem, Zion, here it is, coming down out of heaven from God, 
prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Isn't this amazing? The heavenly Jerusalem, Zion, is coming to earth. God is coming to dwell with his people. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Here's a beautiful promise. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Isn't that beautiful? There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Isn't that pretty amazing? In the, in the midst of all the fearful events of our day, God has a future for us. God has a future for you. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And how wonderful and how hopeful is that place that God is preparing for us. The city of the living God. Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem. Our home in heaven. What else can we learn about this city? Go back to Hebrews 12. We notice the location, but notice who's there. The angels are there. Thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. I can't even imagine. Thousands upon thousands. You know, a hundred million angels all around us in joyful assembly. The church is there. Church of the firstborn, the believers down through the ages, their names are written in heaven. It reminds me of the book of life. Names written in the book of life. How about this? God himself is there. Isn't that incredible? It says you've come to God, the judge of all. The judge. Notice this isn't a different God, is it? Is this a different God than the Mount Sinai God? No. This is the same God. Same God Moses encountered on Mount Sinai, just as awesome, just as holy. But our response on that day isn't fear, but joy. How amazing is that? We're going to enjoy God himself forever. That's our deep hope as we look towards heaven. And you go, how's that possible? What's the difference? What's the difference between those who come with joy and those? What's the difference? And we see it in the climax of this passage. And here's the key difference. Jesus is there. Did you see that? Jesus is there. This is the key difference for us. Look at what it says. It says, we've come, here at the end, we've come to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Isn't this interesting? When we come to Mount Sinai, the first thing we realize is our imperfection. All those standing before the Lord at Mount Sinai, they were realizing their own imperfection. But those who come to Mount Zion, it says they are made perfect. How amazing is that? Jesus makes us perfect. He makes us righteous. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. That's why it says we've come to the, the spirits of the righteous made perfect. That's you and me. That's what we have in Jesus. We have forgiveness. We have his righteousness. Anybody thankful for the righteousness of Christ today? I'm so thankful I'm clothed today in the righteousness 
of Jesus Christ. See, we, we don't go to heaven because we're good. We go to heaven because Jesus is good. See, I need Jesus. And we need a mediator. We need, we need, we need, a, we need the blood of Jesus to speak a better word over our life. The blood of Abel cries out justice. The blood of Jesus speaks forth forgiveness. You are forgiven. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. His blood has forgiven us. It speaks a better word over your life. Because he died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. I'm so thankful for that new word over my life. Forgiven. Righteous. Receiver of grace. And today the invitation is not to earn it or to deserve it or to be good enough. Today the invitation is to simply believe it and receive it. Come to Mount Zion. Come to hearts full of joy. Come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and his blood that speaks a better word over our life. How do we do that? How do we respond? I love this. Our response today is worship. Our response is worship. We're going to look at that. But before he gets to our worship, he starts with a warning. And uh, we've seen a lot of warnings here in the book of Hebrews. And uh, we see a lot of warnings, too, just, just out there in the world. And, and honestly, some of the warnings we see are pretty ridiculous. You ever see any of the r- warnings on consumer products, things like that? Or just, you got to laugh. Um, I, I wanted to share a few here. Uh, this, these are warnings found on actual consumer products. Uh, here's a, on a Duraflame fireplace log. Caution, risk of fire. You know, I'd hope so. <laughs> I'd hope there was some risk of fire on that Duraflame fireplace log. Um, on a bottle of hair coloring, it says, do not use as an ice cream topping. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Um, for all the parents out there who've used portable strollers, this one's on a portable stroller. Caution, remove in- infant before folding for storage. <laughs> I saw the warning, but I missed my infant. Ah! No, Dad. Don't do that. Um, finally, on a laser pointer, it says, do not look into laser with remaining eye. <laughs> so I guess if you've already, like, lasered one eye, it's telling you to not look with the remaining eye. <laughs> I don't know. Those are some actual warning labels. I don't know if it's true. You've got to look it up for yourself. But... Um, We've come to another warning here in the book of Hebrews. And uh, Hebrews is, of course, famous for its warning passages. There are five warnings in the book of Hebrews. We've come to the fifth and the final warning. And, And what I just want to share with you today is that these warnings matter to us. These are serious warnings. They're warnings to us as believers to help us continue to run the race. So here's here's our final warning from the book of Hebrews. Verse 25 says, see to it that you don't refuse him who speaks. He's talking about God. Don't refuse God when he speaks. If they didn't escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, speaking of Moses, warning them on earth, they didn't escape, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven, that, that being Jesus? If they didn't escape, how will we, is the question. It reminds me of the first warning in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2. How will we escape 
if we ignore so great a salvation. We have this amazing hope in Jesus. We have Mount Zion. And our author's just saying, hey, guys, we would be crazy today not to listen and trust in Jesus. That's all he's saying. We would be crazy to not heed this warning and to listen to God's word and to run to Mount Zion. But look at this. Our response is worship. And I just want to show you that as we prepare our hearts for worship now. Check this out. Let me show you why our response is worship. Verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he is promised. Quoting book of Haggai 2.6. Once more I'll shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more, he's doing good Bible teaching here, indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is, created things so that what cannot be shaken will remain. I don't know if you remember in Exodus when it talks about Mount Sinai, it said the mountain shook. And what Hebrews is saying, and going back to Haggai, is that it's not just going to be a mountain that's going to shake. The whole earth is going to shake. Once more, God is going to shake things. It says, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and here's our take home today, and so worship God acceptably, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So just look at that last line. This is awesome. Let's worship God acceptably, with reverence and awe. Acceptably, through faith in Jesus, with reverence and awe. You guys remember earlier we talked about the fear of the Lord? Remember that? Our God is an awesome God. And there is no other way to worship God today than with reverence and awe. He is big, holy, awesome, majestic, presence, present. He shakes the heavens. He shakes the earth. This is our God. He is a consuming fire. And so when we come before God to worship, we come humbly, acceptably, through the blood of Jesus, thankfully, with reverence and awe. See, whenever we get a glimpse of who God is, our response is always an expression of worship. And the bigger our view of God, the bigger our worship often is. I love the story, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. In C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, you remember how God is pictured? He's pictured as this great lion named Aslan. And when Susan hears this for the first time, she's, she's, she's kind of surprised, she's nervous, and she says... I feel rather, rather nervous about meeting a lion. She asked Mr. Beaver if Aslan is safe. To which Mr. Beaver replies, Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he is good. He is the king. Of course God isn't safe. But he's good. And he is the king. We're not coming to Mount Sinai. We're coming to Mount Zion. And through Jesus, we have the opportunity to come and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. How amazing is that? And all those things on earth that we think are so big, wealth, money, power, the perfect home, the perfect family, all of these great things which are good, pale in comparison to the glory of our God and the kingdom that is coming. The Bible says once more God will shake 
the heavens and the earth. Everything that can be shaken on this earth will be shaken. And listen, only kingdom will remain. Jesus is king. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His kingdom will not be destroyed. And we live in a day where, doesn't it feel like there's a lot of shaking happening right now in our culture? We see shaking in the political world. We see shaking in race relations. We see shaking in our homes. We see shaking in the products that are available. We see shaking um, in even just the daily rhythms of our life, how we go to school, our own health. Everything that can be shaken, listen to me, will be shaken. And only Jesus and his kingdom will remain. He is an unshakable king. Our God is an unshakable God. And his kingdom will last forever. And today, we get to be thankful. Aren't you thankful that you're a part of the unshakable kingdom of God? I'm so thankful today. And we get to come and we get to worship our God, who's a consuming fire, wow, with reverence and awe, acceptably, because Jesus paid the price. We're not coming to Mount Sinai. We don't want to stand in our own righteousness. We're coming to Jesus, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to the word that speaks, to the blood, excuse me, that speaks a better word over our life. So let's do that today. Let's finish our time worshiping the Lord. So will you stand with me as I pray? God, you are an awesome God. And we thank, we thank you today that your kingdom cannot be shaken. And it's just a reminder, Lord, that in repentance and rest is our salvation. Quietness and trust is our strength. And so often life is hard. Living on this side of eternity, there is crying. There is pain. There is brokenness. But we look to the day when Jesus wins the victory. And we're so thankful that as Jesus rides in victory, we're going to be right there with him because our trust is in you. And so help us, God, to have an unshakable faith as we trust in an unshakable God. Help us to be still in moments like these and to know you are God. You will be exalted in our lives. You will be exalted in the nations. And today we joyfully worship you because of all of that. Thank you, God, how good it is to dwell together here at Hope, to dwell in unity and to sing your praises. It's a taste of what we get to do in heaven as every tongue, tribe, and nation, all the angels, millions and millions of angels around your throne, joyfully singing praises to you. So give us a foretaste of that today as we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for your blood shed for us. And everyone said, amen, amen. Let's worship. Amen.